0: Hi, my name is Jonathan McMeans, and I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. Wanted to let you know that we are so glad that you found our content online, and we hope that you're blessed by it. But if you're a guest with us, one of the ways that you could let us know that you were here is by filling out the digital connect card. That is at heightschurch.org connect, or by scanning the QR code on the screen in front of you. Wanted to let you know also that you could join us in person every Sunday at nine or ten thirty, and also that content is available live on YouTube and Facebook. We're really glad that you found us. I would invite you to turn a Bible on if you have one, open up a Bible. First Corinthians uh, chapter two is where we are going to be, and uh, we have entitled the first seven or first six chapters. A beautiful mess, and we are just kind of moving line by line through First Corinthians. And uh, why we call it a beautiful mess is because up in chapter one, Paul says that we are sanctified by Christ, and so meaning when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you are set apart from sin. You are set apart in a new life in Christ, and so that means right now, if you're a believer in Jesus, God sees you. Right where you are through the lens of his son and his righteousness. And so that means, right now, positionally before God, you're beautiful. But practically, we're a mess, right? <laughs> We have issues, we have trials, we have struggles, just like this church in Corinth, and so we're a beautiful mess, kind of learning how to walk uh, with Christ, and so that's why we call this a beautiful mess, and we've just been moving through it together, and it's, uh, it's been good so far. I hope it's been challenging for you. Uh, Reader's Digest version, if you have read 1 Corinthians, or you know uh, what's coming ahead, or you may want to read ahead, it starts getting a little crazy in chapter 5, all right, so it's going to be fun. We're not going to skip them. We're going to keep moving it through. So make sure you're here on those hard, week passages. All right. So it's kind of like going to the buffet and you just want to hang out in the dessert area, right? We got to eat a little broccoli to balance that sugar. Okay. So when we get in those hard passages coming up, chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven, you're like, what's going on? That's the broccoli, all right? We're just, we're doing a little healthy work. We'll be good in that. Hey, this morning, I want to pray uh, for South Park Baptist Church. I think this is something that we can start doing a little more together in our gatherings is praying for other churches. And uh, so I messaged uh, Pastor Chad over at South Park this morning and said, hey, just just want to pray for you guys in our service today. What what can we pray for you about? And uh, something we can celebrate with them is they've got a couple of baptisms this morning in their service. We want to pray for that. And then he's also preaching a series on spiritual disciplines called Healthy Practices. Now, we did healthy habits, so I don't know which one was better, right? (laughs) So so they're doing healthy practices, spiritual disciplines. So he said, hey, just pray as a church. We grow closer to Jesus. And so would you mind doing that with me? Let's let's pray uh, together for our time in the Word, also for our friends over at South Park Baptist. So, Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I I love the song the choir sang. Just what a reminder of the work of Jesus on the cross for us. Lord, help us to stand amazed. Help us to be humbled by that. Help our boast be in Jesus and Jesus alone. Father, I I thank you for the men and women that are in this room and and the men and women and boys and girls, teenagers tuning in online. Uh, Lord, we pray as we come into your word today that that you will speak to our minds and our hearts. Lord, you'll you'll move our feet and hands into the actions that we need to take. Father, I pray for South Park this morning. We, we thank you for Pastor Chad. We thank you for that congregation. We thank you. You have placed them in this community. And uh, Lord, we pray blessings for them. Father, I pray this morning as we're, they're celebrating those baptisms, we pray for that new life in Christ that it's going to grow and mature and flourish and And Father, we pray for that congregation just to have a great impact in our community in sharing and preaching the gospel. And and Lord, we just pray that you send revival there, Lord, that you will do great and awesome things at South Park Baptist Church for the glory of your name. We pray in Christ's name, amen, amen. When we come into 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 6 through 16, uh, you're going to see What we all need, and it's the Holy Spirit's help. The Holy Spirit's help. Let me ask you this question Have you ever taught someone something that after you taught them how to do it, maybe showed them how to do it, then they still didn't know how to do it? Anybody been there? Right? You taught them, you showed them, and they still didn't know how to do it. Maybe it was when you were teaching your kids how to tie their shoes. Uh, You were teaching your teenager how to do a three-point turn. Um, You know, maybe at work, you're showing your coworker a new program, new software. Uh, Maybe as a school teacher, you're in science class, and and you show them how to do the lab. And and, I mean, you've taught them, you've showed them, and they still don't have a clue how to do it. Anybody or am I the only one in the room, right? We've all been there. Isn't that frustrating? It's frustrating. You're like, man, I taught you. I showed you. You still don't know how to do it. Have you felt that frustration when you've shared the gospel with someone? Maybe you've been sharing the gospel with a child or a grandchild, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor. You're like, I've I've taught you the gospel. I've showed you how to live as a Christian. I've modeled this. I've prayed for you. I've I've taught you, and you still don't understand. You're still not getting it. Isn't that that same level of frustration there? You know, Paul, in this section that we're in, in the letter is he's really addressing that in verses 6 through 16, where he's showing us this very, very key principle. And here's the principle, that without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we'll not understand the work of Jesus on the cross. That's what you're going to see this morning. Without the work of the Holy Spirit... In our lives, we're not going to understand the work of Jesus on the cross. And so this morning, all of us should say, Holy Spirit, help, right? And so at the end of this message, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to come, and I'm going to invite you to pray for something. I'm going to invite you to fill in the blank in this statement, and here it is. Holy Spirit, help with, and then you're going to fill in that blank, right? Holy Spirit, help with And then you're going to put something to finish out that statement. But Paul in this section starts showing us that there's two problems this church is facing. And we're going to see why we need the work and the help of the Holy Spirit. The first problem that he's been in is really the problem of pride. Now, all the way back in chapter 1, he starts talking about divisions within the church, and he says, you guys have factions, and you have groups, and some of you say, I follow Paul, some I say, I follow Apollos, some I follow Cephas, some I follow Christ, and these divisions are... Aren't good. And so we talked about a couple of weeks ago the problem in a divided church is the divided church isn't a growing church. A divided church is not a a gospel-reaching church. A divided church is really a dying church. Now it may be a slow death, but it's a dying church when you are divided. Then Paul in chapter 1, verse 18, takes a turn and he starts talking about preaching the gospel. And how when we share the gospel, some see it as as good truth, and some see it as foolishness. And then he's picking back up on talking about the gospel here. And as we share it, the reactions people have. And then next week, we're going back into chapter 3, or starting chapter 3. And he's going back to divisions. he's going to get us back into this talk of being divided. And now you might think about that and go, well, hang on, Paul. Like, do you have the mind of a squirrel here? Like, what are you doing? Why are you like divisions, divisions, and then right here in the middle, you're talking about the gospel. This doesn't seem like it's flowing or making sense. And actually, it, it makes complete sense. Because what Paul is showing us is as the people of God, that our focus and our attention when we come together ought to be on Christ. Look in chapter 2, in verse 2. He says, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ in Him crucified. Then in verse 5 he says that our faith when we come together ought not to be in men but in the power of God. So he says your faith might rest in the that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. And so what we see is as we come together how we combat against pride How we combat against divisions is we keep Christ central as our focus. We place our faith not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, and we continue to share and to preach the gospel. Because here's what happens when divisions happen in a church, it's because pride has been elevated. One group thinks they're better than the other group. One person says, well, I'm I'm better than that person, or I'm better than that person. That that, that pride has crept in, and the focus has shifted away from Jesus, and it's on ourselves. You know, there was a a man, he was out working in his yard one day, and he came running into the house frantically. And he called for his wife, babe, 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 come here, come here, come here. And she came running into the living room, and there he's just standing, he's pacing around, he's all frantic. She's like, what's the matter? What's going on? He said, there is... The, the, the truck won't start. There's water in the carburetor. truck's not going to start. There's water in the carburetor. And she's like, water in the carburetor? What? You know? He's like, yeah, yeah, the truck's not going to start. There's water in the carburetor. And for a minute, she, it, it clicks. It takes her a minute because he's just so frantic. And finally, she just steps back and she says, no, hang on one second. How do you know there's water in the carburetor? You're not a mechanic. You're not good with tools. And you know nothing about cars. How are you sure there's water in the carburetor? He said, well, I was outside working on the truck and I accidentally drove it into the pool. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there's water in the carburetor. Yeah? You might think this morning, you got a little water in your carburetor, but we're all in the pool, right? We're all a mess. Last time I checked, Romans 3.10 there's no unrighteous, no, not one. Romans three twenty three. we all fall short of the glory of God, that we all together, when we come together, we're just a bunch of messed up sinners, right? And so you might think, well, wait, hang on, you're going to push back on that. Say, so, well, hang on, Lee, wait one second. I know Jesus and that person doesn't. I'm better than them. I'm here, they're not. I read my Bible, they don't. I pray, they don't. I'm... I'm better than them because of all the things I do. No, the gospel reminds us of the grace of God that we are beggars who have found bread, and our job is to tell the other beggars where to go find it. It's just what John Newton said in that great hymn. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Once was blind, but now I see See, the answer to the problem of pride Paul's giving us is the gospel. Verse 2, that we come together knowing Christ and him crucified. Our faith is in the power of God and not in the power of men. But then he begins to show us why we desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's pick up in verse 6. It says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So what Paul's showing you there is essentially this principle again, that without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we don't understand the work of Jesus on the cross. And he says in verse 6, that the rulers of this age, the kings of this age, the people of this age, if you want to say it that way, they are doomed to pass away. That without Christ, they are doomed. Without Christ, there's no future of eternal hope in heaven, that they are literally a heartbeat away from hell. And that's what's frustrating to us sometimes, because you have shared the gospel with your friend. You've shared the gospel with your child, your grandchild, your neighbor, your coworker. You have that burden. You want them to come to know Christ. And you're not seeing that yet. You're thinking, God, what's what's happening? Why are they not getting this? I'm teaching them, I'm showing them, I'm modeling this, but it's not clicking. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit has to bring that understanding. Because without the work of the Holy Spirit, we don't understand the work of Jesus on the cross. And so he says in verse 6 that those without Christ, they're, they're doomed to pass away. But we impart, verse 7, a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And what he's talking about there when he's uses the term secret or hidden wisdom, he's speaking of the gospel And so understand that throughout the Bible, we see how God revealed that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah before the age and before anything was created. This was the plan. All right. So it wasn't like Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned, and then God goes, man, what you guys do? (sighs) I'll be back in five. I got to figure something out, right? He didn't come up with plan B. The cross of Jesus Christ was always plan A from the eternity past. But what we see throughout the Bible is this march to reveal Jesus and to show the gospel. So in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 is where you see the very first kind of gospel proclamation by God. I'm going to send a Messiah. He's going to bring us back together, humanity and God. And oh yeah, by the way, Satan, your days are numbered, right? And that's what he told him in the garden. We're going to crush you. And then I'm going to save them. And then throughout the Old Testament, what's happening? All those kings remind of us of a better king to come. All those prophets are pointing us to a better prophet to come. All those sacrifices are pointing us to the one true sacrifice we need to come. All the Old Testament pointing us to Jesus. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark... Luke and John, we see Jesus on the scene, this Messiah revealed. We're seeing him, we're hearing his teachings, we're seeing the miracles. We see his death, his burial, his resurrection. Then you get the rest of the New Testament, these letters explaining Christianity, explaining what it means to live the Christian life, explaining Jesus' teaching, how we come to faith in Christ. Then the book of Revelation tells us this is Christ coming again, that our king will be back. And so we see how all of this is coming together, but we see in verse 7 that as we're imparting that, for some it's hidden wisdom. As we're sharing for some, it is a secret. And the gospel message is to be preached to all because not all know it yet. And when I read verse 7, that's what I'm thinking. We share this with everyone because not everyone knows it. Not everyone believes it yet. And so Paul gives us an example of this. He gives us an example of people hearing the word of God and rejecting it. It says in verse 8, None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, What God has prepared for those who love him. Can you imagine that? Look at that verse again. None of the rulers of this age understood this, verse 8. For if they would have, if they had, they wouldn't have killed Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, stop and think for a moment. This was the Word of God preaching the Word of God. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and he dwelt among us this is jesus teaching the very gospel saying i'm the one i'm the christ i'm the messiah i mean imagine sitting there on the hillside right there listening to the sermon on the mount from the very words of christ imagine being on the side of the mountain that day where he multiplied out the bread and the fish and i mean the best meal you have ever eaten right there that day and then you heard his teaching about him saying, I'm the bread of life. This is who I am. Imagine standing there on the the seashore and and you're with the thousands of people and he's just out there in the boat teaching about who he is. Hearing it, very I mean, you're hearing the word of God from the very word of God, but yet humanity said, no, we're going to kill this man. We're going to crucify this man. Why? Because without the work of the Holy Spirit, we don't understand the work of Jesus, on the cross. Paul is showing us why we need the Holy Spirit, why we need the Holy Spirit working in our lives, why we should ask the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of others. Pick back up in verse 10. He continues on with this line of argument. He said, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For if the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God... For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. For we now have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is who from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I love verse 10 because verse 10 says this, the Holy Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Right? So the Holy Spirit says, look, I know you and I know God also really well. I search the depths of God. Romans eight twenty seven. Uh, you know, is right on the backside of what Matt read earlier with Romans eight twenty six of how the Holy Spirit helps us form words when we pray and we don't know how to pray. And the reason why the Holy Spirit does that is because Romans 8, 27 says, he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So understand this, the Holy Spirit... Searches the depths of God, the Holy Spirit searches your heart and your mind as well. You know, there was a um, second grade teacher. She gave her class an assignment before recess one day, and she said, "Okay, I want you guys, you know, get out a, a piece of paper and get out your crayons, and I want you to draw something that is important to you. Okay, draw something that is important to you. Are you in that class with me? What would you draw?" What would you draw with those 48 uh, Crayola crayons? Okay. So the class gets out their paper, gets out the 48 Crayola crayons, and they get to work, you know, drawing things that are important. A little boy in the back named John. John is working on this, and he's working hard. I mean, he's burned through about 24 of those 48, cra- you know, crayons real fast. I mean, he's drawing. He's drawing. Class gets done. Most of them finish up. They're turning in the, in the pieces of the paper. And the teacher says, okay, it's about time to get ready for recess. You guys are going to go out to play. Not John. And John's still working. I mean, John's now about crayon 46, right? And, I mean, he's drawing and he's drawing. Teacher finally walks up to him. and He's like, John, what in the world are you drawing? Everybody else is done. And, and I mean, we got to go to recess. What, what are you drawing that is so important to you? And John, I mean, he's not even missing a beat as he's drawing. He says, I'm drawing what God looks like. Drawing what God looks like. Teacher goes, John, that's silly. No one knows what God looks like. And finally, John looks up at her with those little green second grader eyes and says, don't know what he looks like when I finish my picture. (laughs) How many of you this morning are really trying to make God in your own image, how many of you are trying to draw God like you want Him to be? How many of you are kind of trying to tell God, God, here's what I want You to do, and here's how I want You to do it, here's when I want You to do it. How many of you are creating God in your own image? That's not going to work. It's not going to work. The Bible says. Well, what's Paul saying? He's saying we need the Holy Spirit who searches everything. Even the depths of God to rightly understand the work of Jesus on the cross. We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand God. Verse 13, we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And so here's the great work of the Holy Spirit. He's bridging that chasm that we have between us and God. He's bringing us to God. And he's saying, okay, here's how you understand him. You understand him through the word that I am showing you. Because notice verses 14 through 16. It says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. Now, I, I love if you got an NIV translation, what it does with the natural person. They translate it out, the man without the spirit. Okay, so the person without the Holy Spirit does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, for he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one, for who has understood the mind as so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And so Paul's saying this, the man without the Spirit, the natural man, the non-Christian, without the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, when we impart the gospel to them, we share the gospel, we teach the gospel, we model the gospel, they're going to consider it foolishness. I mean, this is what he's told us in chapter 1 over in uh, verse 18. Just look at that verse with me. He says, chapter 1, verse 18, for the word of cross, the cross it's folly to those who are perishing. But to those of us being saved it's the power of God. Drop down to verse 23 chapter 1. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews folly to the Gentiles. So when we share the gospel that there's going to be people saying that that's not making sense that that's folly that's foolishness. I'm rejecting that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has to help them in that moment understand. The Holy Spirit has to bring them to a point of understanding. That's what he's getting at in verse 15. Because in chapter 2, verse 15, what Paul is showing you is essentially this, that people who hear the gospel, they reject the gospel, they're making a bad judgment call on the value of the gospel. They're saying, this doesn't have value to me. This doesn't have worth to me. I don't need this. For those of us that have come to know Christ and we now value the gospel, we have the mind of Christ, he says in verse 16. And so now we make the value judgment of what Christ has done on the cross for us as good. We say, no, this is the power of God that saves us. And how did that happen? Someone taught you, someone showed you, someone modeled it for you, someone invited you to make a decision, and the Holy Spirit helped you. See, what Paul is showing you is what's called the doctrine of illumination, right? I know that's kind of a fancy word, like it approaches the size of mayonnaise, right? And, you know, we sometimes stay away from words bigger than mayonnaise. I know I do because they're hard to say, but, but what he's going over is the doctrine of illumination, and here's what the doctrine of illumination is all about. You were in darkness, and the Holy Spirit turned the light on. Got it? Is that pretty easy to understand? You were in darkness. You heard the Word of God. Holy Spirit turned the light bulb on, and you were able to receive the Word of God. And so this morning, let me ask you this question. If you had to fill in the blank, Holy Spirit, help with, what are you putting there? What, what are you putting there? Because, see, we're, we're to preach the gospel. And I don't want you to walk away and say, well, man, if if the Holy Spirit's not doing anything, I don't know if I really should be doing anything myself. No, 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 no. We're commanded to share. We're commanded to make disciples. That's why we say here at Heights that our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the purposes of our church is we don't want to just be people who know good news. We want to be the people that share the good news of Jesus. And so here's how I work this out in my life is I simply pray it this way. God, help me do what you have called me to do, and Lord, I'm going to pray that you do what you do. Lord, Lord, I'm the one that's just to share. That's what you call me to do, and God, I'm going to pray that you do the saving because that's what you do. And so when you think about all this coming together in your mind, I want you to be encouraged because you don't always know when the Holy Spirit's working. You don't always see it. You don't always see it in the life of that person. And maybe it's the person right now you've kind of given up on. You've thought, you know what? They've heard it plenty of times, and I don't want to share with them anymore. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. And in clicking and in working, I'm just going to give up. No, no, don't give up. You don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing in that moment. You don't know how he's working in that person's life, in that mind, in that heart at that moment. And I want you to think about how you have an eternal impact on the life of someone when you share the gospel now you might share with somebody and they say nah I don't want him I don't want Jesus and you might think you failed in that moment you didn't fail it's the only time you ever fail in sharing the gospel is when you fail to share the gospel that's the only time you ever fail when you fail to do it when you share it no matter if that person walked away or not you are faithful in doing what God called you to do but maybe someone else comes behind you and they share that person says, nah, I don't want it. But maybe on down the line, maybe two years from now, or a year from now, six months from now, a week from now, the 10th person has shared the gospel with that person. And at that moment, they go, yes, I need Jesus. That's what I need in my life. Let me ask you this. That was the 10th person that shared. You were number one. Do you have a role in that? Do you have a part in that? You better believe you did. Because God just moved that person one step closer to him. And every time you share the gospel, you have an impact in that person's life for all of eternity. And so think about it. This year we've got Vacation Bible School coming up. Thank the Lord we're going to have it on campus. You have an opportunity to teach the gospel to to kids. Maybe there's going to be a kid that comes to know Christ has his forever changed. You've got a four by four. If you're new with us, our four by four is uh, simply to say, find four people in your life that don't know Christ, pray for them four times a week, have gospel conversations with them, you know, invite them to four parties a year, invite them to things like Heights Rodeo Weekend coming up, you know, so where they can hear the good news of Jesus. And we do this all for Christ. You know, this morning, I was talking to, to somebody before I came in nine o'clock service and they say, hey, my son-in-law just got baptized last week in another church, he was one of my four by fours. And she said, three of my four have come to know Christ. Isn't that awesome? It's like, praise the Lord, right? And maybe she led them to Christ, or maybe at one point she shared, and then on down the line, someone else got the opportunity to, to lead them in that moment. But man, her prayers were answered. She was able to share. So maybe you're like me when it comes to sharing the gospel with people individually. I call myself the jackhammer guy. I I really feel like I'm going to take a jackhammer into heaven because I get the person, if I'm sharing, that has like never heard, that has all the questions, that has like the fallowest ground you can find. And I'm the jackhammer guy. I just start breaking up the ground. And that's just kind of my role. And then someone else down the line cleans it all up. (laughs) Kind of like the relief pitcher in the game, right? They get to close it out. But all of that, God uses. And so let me ask you this morning, continue to share the gospel, but pray for the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 real quick as we wrap up. This morning, we ought to pray for the work of the Holy Spirit. As we continue to share, as we continue to invite people to Christ, we pray for the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, for some of you are pretty familiar with the uh, background of this, but if not, let me give it to you really quickly. Uh, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ has ascended to heaven. He says, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So they are praying in Acts chapter 2, like Jesus has said, and I believe they are praying for the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit comes. He indwells the disciples who are there. They begin preaching in other languages that they didn't know, uh, you know, until like when they woke up that morning. No one knew how to speak Spanish in the room, but now they're all speaking Spanish and all the other languages that are represented. People are like, hey, these guys are drunk. Peter's like, no, 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 no. It's only nine in the morning. And then Peter starts preaching. I want you to see what he says in verse 17. He says, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters, shall prophesy. And your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What Peter does is he quotes the prophet Joel, who prophesied of this day of the Holy Spirit coming. It's fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. But don't read that in the sense that the Holy Spirit's done, that the Holy Spirit is still active and working among us now. And the Holy Spirit in the end is very active in the book of Revelation. And so what you can take from that prophecy is this, is when the Holy Spirit comes on a person, they're able to do verse 21. They are able to call out the name of Jesus for salvation. And this morning, that's how we ought to pray. Holy Spirit, help with this person. Help with this person. I've got a child, a grandchild, a neighbor, a friend that's on my heart. They're on my mind. They don't know Christ. I'm sharing. I'm sharing. I'm inviting. It's not clicking. The darkness is still there. I need you to turn on the light. So verse 21, they can call out the name of Jesus and be... I want to thank you for watching today's message. I hope that you found it encouraging And challenging to your faith. At Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And right now, I want to encourage you, if you have never given your life over to Jesus Christ, placed your faith and trust in Him, then the Bible calls you to do that. And today, right where you are, you can place your faith in Christ and become a new believer in Jesus. You know, that's such an important decision that every person has to make. You know, one day you are going to stand before God and give an account of your life to give an account of what you did with Jesus Christ in your life. And so I want to encourage you, just as Hebrews 4.12 says that today is the day of salvation. Just right where you are, give your life to Jesus Christ. And the way that you can do that is through prayer. The Bible says in Romans 10.13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you're interested today in starting a relationship with Jesus, having your sin forgiven, finding forgiveness of your sin and new life with Christ that lasts for all of eternity, I want to encourage you to pray along with me. Let's pray together. Dear God, today I need Jesus as my Savior. I place my faith and trust in Him, in Him alone. Thank you for saving me. You know, if you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to be able to connect with you. If you'd like to go to heightschurch.org connect, let us know that you prayed. Let us know how we can pray for you. But the important step that you need to take is to let somebody know, today I started a new relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love to come alongside of you and encourage you in that new direction in your life. We'd love to have you in person if you're able to make it at 9 a.m. or 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you have any other needs, contact us at heightschurch.org connect. We'll be back in touch with you. Thank you for watching today's message, and I hope you have a great week.